1: Hello, all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on Test cricket by armchair critics of the game. In this Digest episode, I have a special guest, Rohit, joining me. So, hello, Rohit. Welcome to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.
0: Hey, hello, all the audience of the podcast. And hi, Anit.
1: Uh, Rohit is a good friend. He plays for the same club I play in the Netherlands. So, I just wanted to give every one of our listeners a chance to, you know, get a glimpse of how the cricket scene is in the Netherlands and how the club cricket scene is. What's the difference between the amateur cricket league and probably a professional league? We have both times here. So Rohit plays in one of the professional cricket leagues with our club. So I just wanted to give an insight into how these things go here. So uh, it's really nice to have you on the podcast, Rohit. So I think this is your first time. So I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to our podcast episodes before and I don't know what you've thought about it.
0: No, well, absolutely. As, as a cricket enthusiast, I've heard your podcast before and that's why I was also excited to be part of it. It's great information for people in Netherlands or outside to also know what the scene in cricket is, specifically Netherlands is also overall. It's 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 quite interesting, man. So I, I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm a cricket enthusiast, so I'm sure many enthusiasts relate with what I'm saying right now.
1: Indeed. So let's start off with uh, when you caught the cricketing bug. Was it at a very (laughs) young age or at a later age? I think anybody in India, let's say most of the people in
0: India, they catch this bug pretty early, uh, at least as a viewer. Uh, And then when you progress in the school, you start playing you know, for fun. And then you realize, okay, I want to spend more time with it. Uh, I, I don't want to do other activities. I want to do this activity more. And that's how I think when I was in, in, in class 6th or 7th, that's when I started playing it with my cricket coach in, in the school, uh, which was a big thing at that time. I'm talking about 20 years back, having a coach to train you, show you how to hold a pack, show you how to run and these things. This was This was great. So I started in 7th and I became part of our team school team at that time uh and yeah then it ended with the school and then when i was in my 12th uh, preparing for my boards then we got a chance to be part of the cbsc uh zonals tournament which is a tournament that cbsc organizes every year and our school qualified which was one of the only schools along with many government schools uh that okay. qualified so we then we felt okay we are, we are better than many <laughs> we didn't win the tournament we we lost out on, on the semi final but that's where i really thought now now is the time that i can actually pursue my uh this activity as, as something more than just a game but more as a passion so i end up ended up uh, going to the speedster contest uh in delhi it clocked 125 at that time which was i thought i was much faster but mine was 125 and the winner was 135 uh Abid, and he went to MRF Academy after that. So I knew that I was in the top, you know, not very slow. I was a decent baseballer. And I ended up playing for North Zone, uh, which is just a level below Ranji. And then, of course, being a middle-class family, you had to prioritize on your studies versus cricket. So I prioritized on on my studies. Uh, I I was getting a chance to go to UK to play against some clubs at that time when I was uh, 18, Uh, but then I had to uh, let it go. One because of the expense, of course, and two because of priorities being shifting towards studies, and yeah, you have to excel. And but yeah, it always the bug was always with me, although it was sleeping for some time. Uh, and then when I uh, went to my MBA, we, we won tournaments, so I was always leading my team, always feeling amazing that this is something that I can do twenty-four-seven, and I will still not get bored with it. Uh, and that's when I uh, cutting. To, to my <laughs> trip to Netherlands. uh Just before that, I went to Bangalore and I played for BCC, Bangalore Cricket Club, for my work. But they invited me. They actually paid me. This, this is the first time I got paid to play for a club. Uh, it was in 2009. So yeah, it was going well. And then in 2010, I got a chance to come to Netherlands. So my first six, seven months, imagine coming from BCC and playing great cricket and then no cricket, for six months, I always got a got a headache that, what am I doing in this country? I'm missing cricket. And then one of uh, um, club members met me in an Indian restaurant and uh, just casual, hi, hello. And then he said, hey, uh, do you love playing cricket? And I said, wow, He just he's the blessing in disguise. He just came in. I said, of course, just tell me where I have to be. And that's when I got introduced to Kiwi. So I'm now with Kiwi for almost or, or 11 years uh, with Kiwi. 2010, I think was my first season, uh, or at least I joined the club in 2010. Uh, and I started at, at two, uh, league two, uh, then we moved to Ophokan. We moved to now S-class and I'm very uh, proud and happy to lead a, a bunch of really talented cricketers. Uh, I'm very happy that all, I know almost everybody and we are almost 90 playing members, I think in this club and I know everybody, which is a great network in itself uh, that you get exposed to. So, yeah, I think my journey has been very nice with Kiwi, for starting from being 12th man for the first four matches to becoming a, a, a main baller in 2014 to finally becoming uh, a handy batsman and now leading the club uh, as the team captain of Team 1 in S-class. It's a good journey. It's a, it's a great journey, I must say.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, having played you in the next and in the games, I think now you might beat 125. I think back then you must have been faster. And you bowl a heavy ball. At least this is my personal experience having played you, right? So in any case, look, uh, some of those opportunities, they sometimes pass us by. We don't know if it's for the best or not, but apparently it is for the best, right? So you're enjoying your cricket here and you're still having a stable career on the side. So if you had pursued cricket full-time, God knows what would have happened. Maybe you wouldn't have had both. So you have the best of both the worlds, as it's said, right?
0: I totally believe in destiny I think destiny is uh, is driven uh, something for good so you're absolutely right I, I, I feel that I'm doing uh, much I'm getting much more satisfaction now playing with in different conditions and having a stable background my family with me still able to play and, and maybe not spend those eight ten hours I used to spend back then but at least spend a couple of hours daily on, on you know on my nets on my knocking the bat on my you know looking at videos training myself I think yes, that is a better satisfaction uh, but I know boys out there who really want to cut cut the cut the race and and get to the high levels in Indian cricket but the things have gone so competitive so I sometimes tell myself okay it's it's good what you have done what you have achieved you should be happy and proud and just keep on playing until the body doesn't give up
1: <laughs> indeed. No, that's indeed. So, you can always uh, take satisfaction from the fact that uh, in spite of having a full-time career, you're able to do enough with cricket. Uh, More than a hobby, it must be said, the way you said about it. Now, this was about you playing and you sort of, you know, enjoying your cricket as a player. What about you enjoying cricket as a spectator? Do you have any specific teams or players you follow?
0: Oh, I'm I'm a big buff, cricket buff. Any match, especially with Indian cricket, if it's happening... I'm definitely watching it live, uh, even if it's late in the night. Like the recently recently conducted series, uh, I think one of the best series we have seen till date. Uh, but yeah, if, if, even if the match is for somebody, some other teams, maybe a BBL or in any other league, I definitely watch the highlights. I like to see how players can actually play those shots at 145k balls coming to them. I want to learn how do they do that. Maybe it's just practice, but it's something that I'd love to see. Uh, and also as borders how do the same ballers swing in both the sides? I like to zoom into the hand. So I'm a big cricket buff. I can actually uh, yeah, watch cricket all day. Now my daughter doesn't allow me to do that because she's two year old and she's always hanging on to me. But uh, you know, I'm a big, big, big uh, cricket buff. So any way, cricket, be it training, be it uh, watching, be it playing. Yeah, you'll see me in it. So uh, yeah, I, I love to watch uh, and I love to watch Test cricket. I love to watch uh, Twenty Twenty is more glamour for me, and I'm really really in uh, off uh, Test and uh, One Days. It clearly shows the, uh, the the strength of a batsman, the patience that they have to have to to win games. It's it's I think it's a combination of everything. So, but yeah, any form of cricket I'll watch it to answer your question. <laughs>
1: Great to hear. Great to hear. So, speaking of that, uh, well, I must say it's immortal. Test series that just happened. I mean, I think uh, my entire sleep cycle was upset because of having to watch it. Uh, you You wouldn't miss it, right? So, it's probably once in a lifetime for an Indian cricket fan to watch this sort of a series unfold and the Indian team coming to grips with all the injuries still growing from strength to strength, you know. In some other cricket podcast I heard as a joke, they said, if there was one more test in this series, India wouldn't have had 11 people. They would have picked people from the crowd, but they would have still beaten Australia by an innings. The way they were growing in strength, yeah. um, it was something great to see. And the way the whole series ended, I mean, very rarely you see the last test of the series being the best, in spite of all the you know loss of personnel, all that. Uh, those last few moments, I'll never forget it. Because I remember the Monday... Because it ended on a Monday, I, I can't even remember how the day went for me. Maybe it was lack of sleep, <laughs> but maybe it was just the euphoria of the watching how it actually went for the win in the last one hour or so.
0: I think, uh, I think human nature is like that. We love to see David versus Goliath, and we, we want to see David win always. If you see any match and you see uh, uh, underdogs playing, be it Rajasthan Royals in the first IBL uh, or be this, I'm just. If, if I give examples, beat you know uh, Kenya reaching a semi-finals in 2003 World Cup, it always gives you a feeling that, wow, something fair is happening. Something something is helping these guys to do that well. And that's exactly what I felt when I could see India actually winning. We were hoping to draw it and retain the gavaska Trophy, uh, border gavaska trophy but winning it was, uh, yeah, as you said, nobody uh, could digest it. And it's just so happy moments. I, when I woke up in the morning, I told my wife, yeah, I just finished the match India won." And she's like, okay, <laughs> she's not that <laughs> big, big enthusiast. But <laughs> I was trying to share my happiness with people who don't care about cricket as well. So it's, yeah, I think uh, it's human nature. Anyone who wins from, you know, behind, beat a race, beat it, be cricket, it's always, you know, liked by a human being. So I, uh, yeah, I really loved it. And even if it was the other way around, if Australia would have beaten India with a very weak team, maybe I would not would not have been that happy. But at least I would have really felt satisfied to watch a great game. That this is amazing. It's exactly what, uh, yeah, what should have happened.
1: If you were to come back to the Netherlands cricketing scene, well, uh, for somebody who went through the leagues, as you said, right, who went from the semi-professional to the fully professional leagues at the top two uh, tiers, yeah, do you feel there is a There is a big difference in the skill set as well as maybe the training regimens and other things that we uh, take on. Uh, When you go from, let's say, even the top amateur league to the bottom professional league, do you see this big jump in difference in skill set or other things?
0: Because there, I, I don't think skills is the biggest difference. I don't see that. I think there are two major differences which I see when I see players. Because I do go down and play some matches in the lower leagues as well every now and then. And the skills have really improved. What we used to face in, in League 3 or 2 uh, back in the days, the skills are improving. So, I don't think skills are a big uh, miss. There are two things which I think are different. One is opportunity. So, you see a new club which cannot start at the top league. right? They have just risen up. So, they have to start as we did uh, from the lower. And you see, wow, they, they, they deserve to be in the higher class the way they are playing. But because they have to win a league to reach to the higher league, they are still playing in the, in the lower leagues. Uh, that is one. So, And two, you also see some very good players playing in a weaker team. They're amazing players. They deserve to play in the first class or or at least uh, you know, overcome. Uh, but they are playing in two because their team is overall not that strong. So cricket is team game. So you have to ensure the team goes up. The, and the next biggest difference is discipline. That is the biggest difference I feel when I see my team, team one versus uh, 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 some other teams uh, uh, within the club and also outside. is is that throughout the years, uh, we have actually got that patience. We've also got that maturity of thinking about the team more than personal uh, gains. That, okay, uh, team understands the combination, team team gets behind the decisions versus some personal uh, ambitions. And that is what makes a team win. I think when you are taking your... uh, So that is one big thing that you need to have if you want to go to that level. And two is discipline. So you need to come for training. You need to get prepared for uh, for much uh, stronger players. Because as you know, Ajit, a lot of clubs, uh, because they're financially uh, pretty strong, they, they invite a lot of uh, external players from outside. And for last three years, we are number two. which mm-hmm. is heartbreaking uh, in the league because the top team has three players from under-19 Pakistan, under-19 Australia. Now, right. I... At one side, I love it because I want to face that 140, 130k balling coming to me. But the other way, it's kind of unfair to the Netherlands uh, uh, team who is totally comprised of Netherlands players and has not got that much funds, or if I can say that, or that much opportunity to have invite three or four international players. So that's that's when you start seeing the skill difference. Again, I'll reiterate, the skill difference is not among the Netherlands players, I feel. It starts to get different because there are external coaches that bring that extra uh, that extra edge, and that is what you need to win. As I said, we have been number two for the last three years. It's it's the worst position to be. You should be the number one or don't take it seriously. That's my my motto: either be number one or let it be. So, and I have been at number two, which is uh, for me very you know it's like a uh, the crown of thorns if I can say that. That okay, it doesn't it is not a happy moment to end up at number two. But yeah, we are trying our best. For example, we we actually uh, thank our club to give us that bowling machine because we wanted to practice against 140, but none of us were bowling. So to practice and play against a 140, you need to have a bowling machine that will bowl to you at 140. So we actually did that really well. And that's what helped us to beat some of the very big teams. Like if I can say, uh, maybe not taking names, there's a big club in Rotterdam which has three under 19 Pakistan players. And and we actually beat them i was like i was not even imagining that we can be, we beat them so easy but because of our practice because of our understanding of the game that we need to come to that level so we need that bowling machine guys come on the nets let's have the bowling machine let's ball to our main batsmen so yeah it 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 all depends on your discipline your reading of the game your patience that differs you from lower leagues because i have played under lower leagues and i see the the game plan is very short term the game plan is very uh, individual, that you need to make this player important or this player important. That will never work. You need to, you need to say that, Hey, this is our objective. Who can contribute to it rather than a person saying, this is my objective, how a team can contribute to it. Absolutely not. It has to be team objective. That, I think that's the main difference. It's not the scale. I've played against much better players in league two or Le- even in Ophokham right now. They are amazing. Right.
1: Look, I mean, it's a very tough thing to accept that, you know, in spite of your best efforts, it's to, to not conquer the peak, to remain on the second position. But the way I look at it, in spite of all the disadvantages, in spite of having a regular life, five days, six days a week, where you take care of your work, your family, you're still able to compete, remain at second. And all all it needs is the team at number one to have one slip. You're going to take, yeah. take over the top spot. The way I look at it is... What you're doing for the club and as well for the team, uh, that's fantastic. And that attitude, I see, is great to see. And look, there'll always be professional players, right? So there'll be people who will probably do this for a living. And they're like, they split from team to team and their skill set or their mentality is different. And they can do this six days a week. You can't. In spite of that, um, to see where the team is and continually competing every year, it's always very encouraging for the rest of us who play in the club. And we see what's happening, right? So, it's always nice. I'm just giving you a perspective of somebody who's playing in a lower league, but seeing what happens.
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I I also tell my team that when we end up at second, that it's good we have ended up at, at second because if you would have gone uh, one step up ahead, maybe it's also to motivate them. Uh, it would have been very difficult to survive there because there are certain requirements you need to have when you are in off class. The, the ground situation, the number of 12th uh, man you need uh, additional players, number of scorers you need to accompany with you. So there are a lot of preparations we need to do as a club and as a team to have that ready when we go to HK. Uh, And fitness. Like I see myself, uh, I'm at least at 30% of my fitness I was 10 years back. Because of whatever reason, we do a sitting job, we we, we got married, we we don't train every day as we used to. Uh, Priorities have changed. Keeping that in mind, if I see my player coming and thrashing a... Uh, uh, someone who is playing for Australia for sixes, like back to back. It was a, some games, you know, are inscribed in your mind. So these games, when you hit a person who is who is in a in a very international level, and we are now just taking him for a ride in the match. He also knows, my God, if these guys were fit, I will not stand a chance. He gets a reality check. That's my experience, Ajit. Whenever an international player comes to Netherlands, he first his first feeling is Ah, oh, it's Netherlands. How difficult it can be. But when he goes back, he wants to come back because I personally feel Netherlands players have that much potential, a bit of more backing. I think we can, yeah, we can reach much higher levels and it is improving. I see Ryan Campbell becoming the coach of Netherlands, you know, giving chances to youngsters to perform. They are doing well, Uh, but I think more backing will like, like in India, I think Netherlands is where India was in 1990s, let's say intricate it needs a 1996 Sharjah or 1998 Sharjah to to give that punch uh, and say okay guys wow this is what we can do to the world huh? so we, i'm just waiting for that because netherlands has gone with sparks of brilliance you know that we we, we have beaten england beat in pakistan we, we have had our matches where we have won against quite big teams even india we were about netherlands was about to beat india at one we just got saved if i can say that uh, but that is where I feel that Netherlands need a bit of more push, a bit of more inclusion. If I can say that, uh, like now I'm naturalized Dutch. Next year, I want to go for the trials personally. Mm. So I want to see that open window for, hey, people come come for trials. We don't have a set of clubs that are being picked up from. We should open it up and say, okay, come, Paulers, you need trials. Come and give your trials. That's when you will see the real cream come out. You will see how Kapil Dev came out in India. You will see how Zaman came out for Pakistan. He was playing in a in a street and the captain looked at him and said, come and ball to me in the nets. If you if you, uh, yeah, if you read, you will realize that gems are sitting somewhere, not inside a, a ivory tower. They're sitting around the ivory tower. You need to go out and pick them. So that is something I really feel Netherlands should work on. So there is a team which is getting built, but at the same time, there should be scouts outside that, that should go and watch at least earth-class matches and above, and see. So, oh okay, my god, this guy, if he's in the team, he'll be a bit differentiator. I think that is something that Netherlands cricket should invest on. And then you will see this team will definitely be at par, if not better, than many other teams. Uh, you see Bangladesh, how it has come up. It has just started to beat big teams. Like Every now and then, they're beating big teams. Just because they are investing in uh, players sitting outside and going and scouting them in. That is something that I see Netherlands should work on.
1: Now, that's a good summary of maybe the change in direction as well, as far as the Dutch. Let's say the way they pick their players, they could also choose from, as you say, really good players who play in the top professional leagues, just maybe give them a chance. It's about also the mindset, right? So these players that they choose to prefer probably have a specific training regimen mindset. So this can also be inculcated into players who already have the skills, who have already come to the... Top leagues through their own hard work, and they can be right. indeed given a chance to go further. That's indeed something that I hope Mr. Campbell is listening. Maybe he can uh, <laughs> pick up a tip Man, or two I, here.
0: I must give a kudos to Netherlands cricket for for the girls, for the women cricket. That's where they are actually picking up great talent. It's and and I think that's where we should learn from the other gender, that how we can you know find good talents uh, from different clubs and. So in that way, I feel Netherlands has taken a very good step, which is women cricket. I think similar steps or similar improvements, if we can bring to our, because we have to ask ourselves, why is it that Netherlands is not in the World Cup teams anymore? Yeah, is it we are not investing or we are not giving chances? What what is the reason? That question needs to be asked, and I'm sure I'm sure Ryan Campbell sitting somewhere is thinking about it. That's his KPI. I'm sure he will. Uh, think about a way to get to a next level. And and I'm just waiting uh, where we as Dutch people now, uh, origin from India, can actually help uh, Netherlands to reach other heights.
1: Yeah, good thoughts. Now, going back to another topic we wanted to have a chat on. I understand you're the bat specialist in the club, right? You have a theory, you have some uh, practical knowledge. Whenever we have a chat, I always walk away picking up a couple of useful things about how a bat should be What are the things I can look forward to when I use a bat? When I pick up a bat, how do I see if it's a good bat or not? So would you like to shed some more light on this? And maybe you have some thoughts on uh, maybe the next level as well. Would you like to go into it?
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks for picking the point. I'll not call call myself bat specialist. It's the experience that that you gain when you've played with, at one time, a Kashmir willow. Again, a very good willow. To... English willow now, which is very accessible to us because our purchasing power has improved. We are actually buying expensive bats. But I think what I have noticed uh, is that there's a different perception in minds of the batsmen I meet when they pick up a bat. And they end up paying so much uh, for a, a bat which they can easily you know, procure from a different place, uh, much, much cheaper, much better. Because People don't understand the basics. Like if I ask anybody right now, even if I ask you, how do you differ between a Kashmiri Willow and English Willow? You'll not be able to answer it correctly. I'm not doubting your intelligence, but I know I was not able to. I was not able to uh, identify that, hey, because I used to play with Kashmir Willow. I've hit sixes long enough with that. I now play with English Willow. I hit, it, hit them equally well. So what is the big difference that differentiates between the two? So these kind of questions keep popping up in my mind. Also grains, very overhyped phenomena. Hey, I need 10 grains. I need straight grains. And so, and when people were showing me their bat, uh, that, hey, Rodh see, I've got this new bat and it looks amazing. And, and I said, my God, the first thing he tells me, it looks amazing. So the aesthetics is, is more important in his mind than I said, okay, show it to me. When I pinged it, when I put a ball to it, I said, okay, how much did you pay for it? When he says uh, 30,000 rupees or or 300, 400 euros, I'm like shocked. I said, wow, my God, you have a lot of money in your pocket to pay. Uh, So when I pick up my bats, I'm personally not looking at grains, number of grains, color, it should be clean. People don't know, Ajit, the very basic thing. When you make a bat, You pick up a tree, the English Willow tree, and from the same tree, grade one bat also comes, grade two bat also comes, and grade three bat also comes. From the same tree, the wood is exactly the same, the ping is exactly the same, the performance is exactly the same. The only difference in grade one, grade two, or grade three for that specific wood will be its aesthetics. So grade one will be the middle part of the tree, which has no water touched, so it will be white. And grade two and three will be slightly outer parts of the tree, which will have water marks. But the wood is same. It will ping the ball exactly the same. So if I look at my best performing bat right now, it's it's Spartan MSD Run, which is a four thousand five hundred rupees bat. Right, which is yeah 50, 50 euros sixty euros bat, which I got from India because I hand picked them. I don't want to. I've tried online. Uh, it's it's good because there's experts sitting behind. But then they also try to sell you something which you want to hear. See these grains, see the looks.
1: Of course.
0: I think yeah. the biggest thing that matters is ping and punch. So had, I was having these questions a lot for the last two years in my mind that why are people spending so much money? Why did I spend up so much money buying a SS uh, word through bat for 15,000 rupees? I could have got a better bat for 10,000 rupees. So that's the reason I, I thought about why shouldn't I you know, bring my experience in cricket, my knowledge of having right now eight bats with me. My personal bats uh, ah. and behind fifty bats I've been using, along with my market research skills. So what I did, I did a survey with about one fifty cricketers in the dunns, and I just wanted to know, ask them what what matters to you. And that's when I realized, okay, these are the five things as a batsman that matters to you. Not when you're buying these things were going in my mind for the last two three years that people are focusing on not very, not the right things when they are buying their stuff in cricket. Uh, so I thought, why not combine my experience with my uh, current set of bats, along with my market research skills, which, which is my job, to come up with something which can tell a player, this is what matters. And that's where the phenomenon of five factors came in. Five factors is, is a brand that I chose for myself, uh, is something that that will assess any product. And five important factors. So that's how I started. I did a survey with 150 players in Netherlands. I got to know that these are the five factors which should matter the most. And to be honest, aesthetics is something which is not that important. I spoke, I had interviews with JS Wright and Sons. I had interviews with uh, suppliers in India, suppliers in UK, uh, mm. suppliers in Pakistan. That What do you say when you say grade one, grade two, grade three? Nobody knows. If you ask any uh image or cricketer hey what do you think is different from grade one and grade two i don't think anybody can tangibly tell you this is a difference because yeah it's a bit better of course it's one and two you know one is better but what is the difference that you end up paying that much money so after this all i came up with okay these are the five factors guys uh this is what i'll focus on and every product will have its own five factor but it will not be more than five factor so that's the start of the journey of five factors. And the first thing that I looked was into bats because that is my biggest experience. Cricket is my, the largest experience sport. So I thought, let's start with cricket. Let's start to bring cricket bats as the first product. And then I found very good suppliers in India who are supplying to big brands and not name them. But mm-hmm. they're supplying to big brands because every big brand doesn't have a factory. They're actually ordering into uh, some local manufacturers in, in Chalandhar or Merit, and then putting their sneakers on and selling it for 10 times the price. So yeah. I, was, I was pretty much uh, willing to remove that middle path. Why should I go to a big brand and buy something for 20 and I can buy something for 10 just going directly to my supplier? So that's the reason I uh, I chose this path. I spoke to about 20 suppliers, asked them for videos, asked them for knowledge, how much they know about cricket bats. And one thing I got from them is that Rohit, grade one, grade two, grade three, there might be minor differences, but it's more about marketing. It's more about about how you sell the product. So, yes, there are differences in terms of durability, but it doesn't give you the uh, feeling that you should pay that much high. So, after speaking to 20 suppliers, interviewing them, getting to the survey, that's the when I started my first set of bags. And I must thank my you know first two, three customers who immediately picked it up because they they, they trust me, just my uh, feelings of cricket bats. They immediately came to me and said "Wait, oh, I want to buy this one and I gave it to them. And they're very happy. Uh, mm-hmm. The same bat, if they would have bought for a bigger brand, must be 30, 40% higher in price. Uh, and maybe not even that durable because on this, I put my name behind. I put my experience behind. And now we are working with them to bring up cricket balls because uh, that's one of the reasons Netherlands cricket is suffering or has suffered in the past is the weather. Because the conditions are so wet, you you don't uh, uh, get the right uh, quality of cricket balls. They get damped. Or if you get the right quality, they are so expensive. For example, the ball that we play with S Class is per piece 30 euros, if I'm not wrong, uh, roughly. Yeah. Yeah. It's too expensive. So I thought, okay, let me bring the cricket balls all to the, also to the forum. Uh, again, waterproofed uh, quality of 100 overs uh, to, to the Netherlands fraternity and see how it goes. Uh, I normally don't call it as a business for me because. It is not something that I want to earn money from. It's more I want to get attached to cricket even after I stop playing. So I want to get closer to cricket any way I can, be it by giving good products, be it playing with those products or being playing anyways. Uh, I just thought this is something that is the right time to look into. And that's where this this thought and this venture has
1: started. Wow. I mean, very nice to hear, you know, the steps you took. And... uh... You've begun the journey. So, as a friend and as a clubmate, my best wishes going forward. And uh, who knows, in a couple of months, uh, I would come to you with a request of my own. Both my bats last season broke. So, we'll see. We'll have a chat about it in one of the upcoming days, no doubt. So, it's still very nice to see that you have this enthusiasm to be attached to the game. And then, uh, as you say, maybe after your playing days are over, you're still going to be in touch with players in one form or the other because you have this new venture of yours. All the best going forward and wish you all the success with your new venture.
0: That's great. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Ajit. Thanks for all your kind words. Uh, Looking forward to help everyone as much as I can to get the right product uh, and not just get into brand, film frenzy and and just get lost.
1: (laughs) Indeed. Well, at the end of the day, what you said, rank through with me that it's not about how it looks and how well it's been marketed to you, but it's about what it can actually do and how long it lasts in your hand. It's right. this, this, this is probably the, yeah, this should be the core belief in most of us when we go to purchase, but it's not that black and white. I remember I had bought a five euro gloves from a army surplus store, which ran for three years. It was leather. They were probably slightly mismatched in color, but I remember that not even a stitch came off. It was five euros. So I It it rings true what you said, right? It has been a very nice chat, Rohit. Uh, I see you have a lot to offer, not just uh, with respect to your experiences in Dutch cricket and with your new venture, but I think it's a great uh, thing that if possible, we can have you again as a guest in one of our upcoming episodes where we talk through the cricket of the week or something and I'll plan something. It's uh, very nice to have a chat.
0: I love to be part of this discussion. As I said, any form of discussion, watching, listening to cricket, I'm up for it. So please uh, feel free to invite me for any discussions around Cricket and I'll be happy to
1: be there. Ajit. Would you like to give a shout out about, about your brand? How people who are interested in buying bats from you would be able to reach out to you?
0: Yeah, so uh, as I said, I've not yet fully uh, launched it like professionally. It is on Facebook and exposed to some of my Facebook fraternity only. So right now, you can reach out to me directly for for any request uh through whatsapp through through facebook it's on my facebook page and uh and then yeah we can discuss and right now as i said we have two products there which is cricket bats and and balls for different grades uh next product is gloves that i'm looking at uh, again high quality gloves that i want to bring in that that is the way people can reach out to me and of course if they are bulk order it, it is always better because then you You're able to uh, deliver uh, in one go and shipment really is is a big cost to these products when you bring it from India. And then if a a club needs it, uh, yeah, in in a a big format, definitely uh, everything can be invoiced. And and whenever the players need it, yeah, they can reach out to me personally, invoice, and everything can be made available uh, formally as well. Uh, Right now, it's uh, it's getting set up. Uh, As I said, first three bats are sold out of the first six, which is a great achievement for me. I didn't expect it. I thought I would have to really market myself. But thankfully, players uh, trust. At least those three players trusted my credibility and they landed up on my, on my door. That hey we need your bat, And uh, that way, yeah. Please feel free to reach out.
1: So, all right. Thanks for a wonderful chat, Rohit. And I wish you a success going forward with your venture and also a great day. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks, Ajit. Have a nice day. Take care. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Cheers is the Armchair Cricket Podcast